Chapter 19 The Lord High Mage The dark was a time filled with madmen, both in the church and among the mages. Yet, in a mad world, is not accepting the madness the only reasonable solution? Arkal, Argivian Scholar In the flaming wreckage that was the dining hall, Primata Delphine found her most deadly foe, the Lord High Mage of the Conclave. Or rather, he found her. The church forces had been dispersed through the entire citadel now, and she had no idea how they were faring, or even if they were still alive. The fact was that most of the complex was in flames now, and each dead mage would be worth at least a hundred troops. She thought of how proud the Lord Guardian would be of her when she delivered her report. While she had not found either in her initial quarry, she had created enough corpses and destroyed enough magical arconery to please any official of the church. There was a noise behind her, at the doorway, and she turned to face it. Marisol was there. She recognized him at once from the ornate, decadent portraiture that her troops had torn from the walls. This was the master of the house. He was dressed in black with a gold vest and held in his hands a red-tipped wand with a saber grip. His face was smudged with soot, and there was blood running down from his ear into his collar. The chief magician, I presume, said the primata. You did this, he hissed. No, said the primata firmly. You did this by following your hellish ways, by meddling in matters too powerful for mortals to comprehend. By interfering with the natural forces of the world, you've been waited and judged wanting. Your destruction is your fault. I am but the instrument of that punishment. Mirsal snared and muttered a spell. The primata closed her eyes and the effect splashed harmlessly over her protective wards. The magical energies were reduced to bits of light. I am proof against your enchantments now, by the wisdom of Tao. If you surrender now, you will be blessed, and your soul saved before you are put on the pyre. Marisol cursed and unleashed another spell, red color splashed against her wards, but left her unscathed. There is nothing you can do. You can fight for a while until you wear yourself out. And then my loyal troops will find you and kill you, just as they will find and kill any user of magic. Marisol straightened himself up, visibly trying to restrain his temper. Why did you do this? Why now? The Primata smiled, and it was an ugly smile. I do this because I am hunting wizards and found a nest of them. I do this because the Book of Tao tells us that we cannot suffer a magician to live. I do this because magic is evil, and evil in all of its forms must be eradicated. I will not rest until every spellcaster is slain. Even those in your holy church, said Marisol, circling away from the door now. He no longer cast spells, but clasped his magical wand with a white knuckle grip. Even those who serve beside you, and mouth the same words, and sing the same hymns as you? You seek to rock my faith, said Primata Delphine calmly. Evil seeks to do that. I know there may be mages hiding among the faithful. They will always be rooted out and put to the torch. Of this I have no doubt. And you'll be among those put to the torch, priestess? hissed Marisol. Another splash of color, this time black as the moonless night, crystallized against her protections and fell away, leaving her unharmed. 
I will be holding that torch, said the Primata. I have only the desire to search out magic, search out evil, for the church. Marisol laughed then, and it was a horrid, mocking laugh. You don't realize, do you? You're one of us. You use spells the same way as we evil mages. You seek to rock my faith, repeated Primata Delphine. Evil seeks to do that. You don't realize it, howled Marisol. You wrap it up in religious dogma and mummery, but you don't realize that basic truth. You use magic as we do. All your miracles and mysteries. Magic. The Primata ignored the Lord High Mage. Instead, she raised her arms and intoned, Bathed in the hollow light, the infidels looked upon the impurities of their souls and despaired. Her entire body seemed to glow from its own light, a light that filled the room, devouring everything in its path. When it finally diminished, Lord Marisol was still there, inside, smiling. I have my protections as well, your holiness. And you should ask yourself, how would these protections be effective against your miracles if those miracles were not themselves magical in nature? And I will take a sword to the infidel and the unbeliever, and my blade shall shine with fire of righteousness. The Primata intoned the quote from the Book of Tao, and a flaming sword appeared in her left hand. She charged toward the mage. What were you thinking just then? said Marisol, raising his saber hand wand in a mock salute. When you did that, when you summoned that miracle, were you thinking of some temple far away? Perhaps where you were let in into that particular mystery of the faith? The Primata lunged with a speed that bellied her size. Marisol beat the flaming blade back with his short wand. As he did so, the flame from the priestess's blade dimmed just a bit. Struck a nerve, did I? said Marisol, dancing back from the assault. You were thinking of a place, the place where you were taught to venerate the blade. Some shrine, perhaps? Some supposed holy place? Overlooking a wide valley somewhere? Somewhere in the mountains? Is that what you were thinking of? The Primata said nothing, but brought up her sword with a violent slash. Her blade was longer than his, but again, he beat the force of the assault aside neatly and danced back. He was smiling broadly now. Suffer not a magician to live, she shouted, and lunged again. Once more, he turned the blade aside. As the Lord High Mage beat aside the blow, he stepped inside her swing. He reversed his own assault and brought up the saber hand wand down on the Primata's ribs, its ruby tip blazing with power. The Primata's side exploded in pain, and she staggered back this time. You are no fencer, said Marisol. You are no real wizard either. The ability to cast spells is not magic. The ability to understand them is. Tal, grant me wisdom, said the Primata, gasping. Let me grant you some wisdom, priestess, said Marisol. You think of a particular place when you ask for your miracles. You imagine colored light, or smell a familiar smell, or feel warm when you call them into being. That's not the wisdom of Tao. That's mana, the energy of magic, and you use it as much as we do. The Primata said nothing, but lunged, trying to bring her blade around for another attack, but Marisol was too fast for her. Again, he stepped inside her swing, this time stabbing forward with his red-tipped crystal wand. Again, she felt pain. This time, 
a tearing shriek down one massive thigh. That's what's unforgivable, said Marisol. You used the man of battle. A real mage would have figured out what I am doing with this wand minutes ago. Let me give you that wisdom as well. I am stripping your magic from you, pulling your miracles away from you. With every assault, you lose more of your power. Primana Delphine halted and then gasped. You are crafty, wizard. You have confused me and weakened me with that confusion. You seek to rock my faith. Evil does that. Rocked your faith, said Marisol, with a wide lupine grin. He stepped forward, and the Primata backpedaled, despite herself. Your circles and wards are failing you, priestess. You realize you must believe in magic in order to keep them going, but you cannot believe in magic, can you? The Primata eyed the door beyond the Lord High Mage. My troops, she began. Your troops are being hunted down and slain as we speak, said Marisol. Those who have not fled from this place. You got very far on surprise and good fortune. We didn't expect an attack, and we didn't expect you to get inside the citadel. But now, you are out of surprises, and every one of your troops is dead, or dying, or in flight. Now you will follow. He lunged now, and the Primata tried to step back, but she was too slow, and a stabbing pain lanced through her gut. Her flaming sword sputtered once, then disappeared. And now, I must confess, I am playing you, priestess, said Marisol, the smile broad and wolfish. I have prevented you from accessing your memories. I have denied you your miracle spells. But now, alas, I must bring this to an end. He stepped forward, lashing out with a wide, upward blow with the saber-handled wand. The Primata ducked, stepped directly into the path of his second blow. Marisol brought up the other hand, slammed it against her chest, then stepped back to admire his handiwork. The Primata Delphine looked down and saw a broad blade dagger jutting out from her chest, just above the heart. The old ways, said Marisol, are often best. Primata Delphine tried to compose a curse with her dying breath. All she managed was a dull, rattling noise as she collapsed in the wreckage of the dining hall. Marisol kicked the body. You hate wizards. You never ask why I hate the church. I'll tell you. You're narrow-minded, and you're dogmatic. And worst of all, you're amateurs. He looked down at her fallen form, the blood forming a wide pool around her. And may the Darklands damn me. You'll be the death of us all. And at that moment, the earth shook beneath Marisol's feet, and the lights went out. The climb back through the secret ways was eternal. As they passed upward, Seema realized that something was missing. The thrumming noise was gone. It was as if someone, or something, had shut the hidden engines down. They had cast their own lights with their magics, white and blue, and now needed them as they passed up the secret passage into the blackness of the main hallway. The fires outside flickered through the remains of the stained glass window. Joda halted, and Seema almost bumped into him. It's dark, he said. That's a surprise, said Seema. Joda nodded. There are usually lights on here. Seema looked around and said, And I wonder who was powering the lights all those years. Joda nodded again, and they passed down the hallway. Have you figured out what to do about him? She said. Joda said, 
No. Any ideas? Is there a way to trap him? Jodas shook his head. Like he was before? No. I don't think so. What did the ragman mean, save him? Jodas shrugged. Save him from Mersel? Save him from the church? Or save him from himself, said Seema. The hallway was lit from behind by numerous fires out in the citadel grounds, and there was smoke hanging in the air, and the smell of other things as well. Magic and fear. Mersel study, said Joda. If he was thinking long enough, Ith would try to find Mersel. It's a couple floors below us, past the dining halls. Make for the main stairs. They reached the top of the stairs when they heard the sound of a safety being released from a crossbow. Actually, it was four safeties, all being released at once. Out of the shadows stepped a short man with an ornate crossbow. In the flickering shadows, he seemed larger than he truly was. Friend Barl, said Joda. Ith has been released. And who would have done that, friend Joda? said Barl, his aim staying on a point between Sima and Joda. Could it have been the spies who have infiltrated our conclave? Friend Barl, started Joda. It's not like that. It's exactly like that, said Barl severely. Unlike his lord high mage, I am not good at deceiving myself. I saw you worm your way into this place, with your innocent manners and your childlike curiosity. You had fooled me, I must admit. I saw you worm your way into my Lord High Mage's good graces. I have had time to think at that. Why? And now I know. This one. The crossbow moved a fraction of an inch towards Sima. Confirmed it for me. You probably brought the church here, didn't you? Anything to keep your City of Shadows, the most powerful group of the mages, in the land. To keep your stranglehold on magic. You never even gave me a chance. Seema spoke the words flatly, but her eyes flashed in anger. I gave you half a chance, and you took it, said Barl. Look at what you've done to our master's house. You can't take both of us with one weapon, said Joda. Barl smiled, and it was a deep, confident smile. Then I'll have to shoot the right one, won't I? Seema elbowed Joda and said, You go. I can take him. Joda said, you don't. Sima was sharper now. You go. Save it. Joda nodded and dashed down the stairs. Sima took a step toward Barl at the same time, and the crossbow swung toward her. Bad move, said Barl. One target now. Sima nodded and raised a hand, releasing the memories of her home islands. The energies coursed through the crossbow, dismantling it as it passed along its length. In a thought, with a wave of her hand, she unraveled the crossbow. Barl pulled the trigger, but it was too late. The entire device fell apart in his hands and clattered to the floor in pieces. Seema raised both hands now. I hope you have a backup plan, Artificer, she said. For your sake, I hope you did. Joda descended the stairs, holding one hand aloft with a soft beacon of white mana. He saw lights flickering from the dining hall and wondered if several of the mages had gotten the power restored. Instead, he found the Lord High Mage warming his hands over a burning human body. The figure was unrecognizable, save that it was once very large and possibly female.
Amazing the amount of warmth one gets from one of these, said Marisol, a hard smile on his lips, but his voice was cheery. Must be all the fat reserves that have built up over the years. It was the same friendly tone the Lord High Mage had taken in the library when they first met. It was a mask, thought Joda, a smiling mask that Marisol could turn on and off at will. Marisol, said Joda. If is free, broke in Marisol. Loose? Rampaging through the citadel? Killing anyone who gets in his way? Free, said Joda simply. And you had a hand in this, I assume, said Marisol. Joda said only, he was being driven mad. He was always mad, said Marisol firmly. Mad from the start. Mad to come here in the first place. I just put his madness and his power to good use. He rubbed his hands again. But that's all over now, isn't it? Joda opened his mouth to argue, but Marisol silenced him with a sharp look. Who sent you? said the Lord High Mage. The church? Joda shook his head, and Marisol said, I'll admit, I thought so briefly, when the attack first came. One visitor is happenstance, two is synchronicity, three is dead certain, or something like that. But you should know the church failed. Oh, it killed more than a few mages, the weak ones, the foolish ones. But in the end, there was nothing the church can do about us. We'll always be here. We can kill them. He looked at the burning body. Or we could just wait for them to freeze with the rest of this godforsaken land. Joda said, You built all this place with its power. You took his magic from him and used it yourself. Marisol looked at him and shook his head sagely. Is that why you freed him? Because I was unfair to him for 15 odd years? What would that be if he just gave me what I wanted? and I became immortal. And what is it to you? Why throw away such a promising career over a madman? You try to get me to kill Sima, said Joda. A clerical error, said Marisol, smiling broadly. Borrow's idea. You are willing to kill me, challenged Joda. Rumor, said Marisol, the smile fading only slightly. You are going to sacrifice me to your lords of the Darklands, said Joda. Levelly, the corner of Marisol's eye twitched almost unnoticeably. He nodded slightly. Ah, he said at last. Ah, so by all this I can assume there's no chance you'll be helping me in the future. His hand dipped in his vest. When it reappeared, the hand held a gem-tipped wand by its saber-hilt handle. Joda opened his mouth, but did not know what to say. Marisol took a step forward, and then the ground heaved beneath them. It felt as if the entire citadel had been raising three feet and then dropped again. He's coming, said Marisol, his voice little more than a whisper. The smile was gone now, replaced by a worried, frightened scowl. The far wall of the dining hall began to smoke and then crack and then flake away entirely like an iceberg calving off of a glacier. Through the gap stepped a glowing, angry figure. Ith had arrived. Joda expected Marisol to attack his former master and pulled his mirror from his pocket, hoping to defend himself from stray mystic bolts. Instead, Marisol dropped to one knee and said, Master, you're alive! The glowing figure snarled something incoherent and raised a flaming hand against the Lord High Mage. Marisol continued 
as if nothing had happened. We thought you were dead. I only now discovered that Barl was working with the church and had planned to kill us, or imprison us all. Thank you for rescuing us. The glowing figure hesitated. The flaming death did not come. Marisol added quickly, You've been confused. Illusions have been against you. Come, calm down, and we can reason together. The glowing figure of Ith snarled, and flames shot from his palm. Marisol was bathed in the glow, but it washed over him like a wave, leaving him unscathed. Come now, master, said Marisol calmly. You know I am proof against any attack that you can muster. The first rule of Majory is to protect yourself from your betters. You taught me that. Now, believe me when I say that. There was another snarl, and a wave of blue energy shot from Ith's outstretched arm and crackled around the Lord High Mate. Nothing from your hand can harm me, said Marisol, as the attack subsided around him. Now think, Master. Please, think. You've been ill. You've been hurt by the church. I've only just found out. You've been ill. Trust me, Master. Trust me. Ith hesitated, and the gigantic form looked puzzled. Joda noticed that Marisol clenched the gem tip wand tightly, and now leaned toward the former Lord of the Conclave. Joda found his voice, and shouted now. Lies! He's lying to you! Ith turned toward Joda, as if noticing him for the first time. A dull recognition flickered in the glowing figure's eyes, then disappeared again beneath a veil of madness. A dragon. Ith reminded Joda of a great dragon, made entirely of mana, made entirely of power, and without any thought to direct that power. That's one of them, shouted Marisol. That's one of the church wizards. You can smell the white mana on him. The glowing figure raised a hand toward Joda, and the energies built in on its outstretched palm. Joda shouted, Stop! and tried to pull the memories of the land into his mind, but they had fled, leaving only a few fragments of the mountains behind. He's the one who imprisoned you, screamed Marisol. He's the one who should be punished. The Ith figure snarled, and blue-red waves of flame shot from his palm in a solid stream. Joda shouted, and put his hands up in front of his face, clutching the memory like a protective talisman, this time trying to catch the force of the magical blow with it. He thought of his anger at Marisol, and his pity for Lord Ith. The flame bounced from the mirror, and looped around the room, moving like a serpent of flame. The serpent reared, and struck at last at the Lord High Mage. Marisol screamed as the flames washed over him, igniting his fine clothing, his hair, and finally his flesh. Joda knew at once what happened. Marisol was protected against Ith's attack, but not Joda's, and the attack had ultimately come from Joda's mirror. Marisol screamed and beat at the flames, then fled from the room, the flame trailing from him like a comet's tail. He continued screaming as he passed through the main hall, but Joda could not afford to worry about him. Ith was mad now, angry mad, as well as insane mad. No one seemed to fall down when the insane mage hit them. Ith stepped forward, growing larger with every stride. The eldritch fires coursed through his veins, and his unseeing eyes glowed a hellish yellow. Joda stood his ground. He held up the mirror again, this time not as a protective talisman, but rather strongly, firmly, trying to aim the fire right back at Ith. Ith towered over him, arcs of magical energy dancing over his flesh. He was massive as well, swollen on his own power, power that had been drawn back into himself, draining from the citadel and its protective wards. 
Joda stood his ground. Ith looked down at him, down at the young man, clutching the mirror. Slowly, recognition dawned in the yellowish eyes, and they began to dim. Just a fraction, then a fraction more, and Joda realized that Ith was not staring at him. He was staring into the mirror. Look at it, Joda said, almost in a whisper. Look at what you have become. Look at what they have made you. There was a long moment, and Joda realized that Ith was breathing deeply, almost sobbing. The yellowish light was fading now, and he was slowly shrinking, returning to normal size. The jagged lines of energy pulled into him, becoming nothing more than a normal glow. Slowly, painfully, Ith became human again. Finally, Ith raised a thin hand to his face and said, I've never looked good in a beard. His voice cracked as he said it, and he rubbed his chin. That will have to go. Lord Ith, said Joda, from behind the mirror. Are you alright? Ith looked up, seeing the young man holding the mirror, as if for the first time. There was a nod of recognition, and Ith said, No, I am not alright. I won't be alright for some time to come. But I'm back. Back from the madness. Back from the borders of the Darklands. And I still have much to do. Far away, something toppled. Perhaps it was one of the towers, or some part of the wall. Whatever it was, it took a long time to fall, and sounded like a distant mountain avalanche. We should get out of here, said Joda. I have things to finish, said Ith. We should go, said Joda. Then go, said Ith, and a flash of yellow blazed behind his eyes. You have given my sanity back, young one. I don't intend to squander that gift, but neither do I want you to pay for it with your own life. I will survive this. I want to make sure you do as well. Now go. We should go, bellowed Ith, and Joda found himself running despite himself, and spelled, he realized, but he could not will his legs to stop. He was out in the hallway now, running for the front gates. There was a flash of blue, and Seema was now alongside him, running to keep up. She had a mad, frightened look on her face, and Joda knew that she too was under Ith's enchantment. The grand hall was bathed in flame now, the ancient tapestries gutted by reaching claws of flame. The portraits had burned from the center out, leaving only ashes where once were pigments. The carpets were smoking from hot ash, and the remaining lights of crystal exploded from the heat, one after the other. Then, they were at the gate, but there was no gate, not since the church destroyed it. They were beyond the gate, and into the ruined maze work. Not ruined, thought Joda. Merely unfinished, he looped over several low walls in succession, Seema hot on his heels. There was an explosion behind him, and Joda felt a warm hand press hard on his back. He did not clear one of the low walls, and tumbled headfirst over the foundation. The ground came up very quickly, and then there was only blackness.